Welcome to the Our Story Podcast, the College of Medicine Student Affairs' very own student-focused podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Smith, Assistant Dean for Student Affairs. Today, we have a very special episode in our Perspectives in Student Success. Um, this episode is mid-semester review, all about checking in with yourself, reflecting on your progress so far in your medical education. Today, uh, we have a, the honor of having Dr. Chris Miller, Associate Clinical Professor and Assistant Dean for Preclinical Curriculum in the College of Medicine. Dr. Miller is famous among all MD and PA students, and we are very happy to have him uh, here today. Uh, we know medical school brings uh, lots of challenges, including you have to commit to studying vast amounts of course content, integrating the practice and lifestyle of the medical profession along the way. Uh, here at the College of Medicine at OU, we're about halfway through the semester, so it's time to reflect on what has been and ponder what's ahead. So in today's episode, we will uh, delve into the following topics. Reflecting and seeking support. How am I doing? How can I get support if that's not going well? What's ahead? So how will my journey in medical school evolve or continue to evolve? And then we will get to know a little bit about Dr. Miller. What is it you exactly do? Uh, or maybe we should ask, what is it you don't do? Because you do a lot of things. That'd be a better question. So welcome, Dr. Miller. We are so excited to have you today. Thank you, Dr. Smith. Happy to be here. Always enjoy talking to you. I think the word you were looking for is not famous, but infamous. There with you go. Students, so. Yeah, one or the other, man. So uh, go, for, go for either in my it, book. It depends on the class we're in, probably. There you go. Okay, we will jump into this. So what might be important for students to reflect on in their progress right now? So if you ask somebody, hey, reflect on your progress, what would you maybe tell them to think about? Um, what should be they looking for internally or externally? That's a, that's a very good question and it's an appropriate time. I mean, our first year medical students just finished their first class in medical school, which is hard to believe. They're already completed a course. Uh, second years are starting one of the more difficult courses in their curriculum uh, during the preclinical phase. So I think it is an important time to step back. And the main reason for that is because medical school builds on itself. Everything you do is a foundation and a step on a path of your professional journey. And I think what's important for both the first years and second years to ask right now is, am I where I need to be in terms of my professional journey? Um, am I learning for the sake of knowledge, long-term retention, uh, not just for the sake of boards, but for the future patients I'm gonna have to have responsibility over their lives, their well-being. And so I think it's important to, to look at, at something as basic as uh, in the courses we just completed, did I get the grade I wanted because of low stakes points or was I hitting the average of the class or higher on the summative exams? We're really trying to discriminate those who really understand the material from those that don't. Also think it's important to reflect because whether you're doing as well as you want to or not, there are lots of resources uh, on campus, particularly Office of Student Affairs, that can help you better prepare uh, along your chosen career path. So I think it's important to step back if you're not doing as well as you want or you think you could enhance your performance to reach out to not only your course directors, but to our learning specialists on both campus, Roseanne McDaniel and Eric Sonnier, who are fantastic and have lots of good strategies to help you move forward. Awesome. 
you said, you know, looking at your summative exams, you know, where did your grade come from? Is there anything else that they could look for, um, you know, time spent studying, or are there other measures maybe to say, I'm, I'm doing the things that I need to be doing, or I'm in the place I need to be other than passing courses? I think so. Um, a lot of what I think self-reflection deals with is not just how well you're doing and performing in terms of quantitative performance, but how are you? How are, is your growth and development? Uh, are you progressing professionally? Um, are you developing skills outside of didactic courses that are going to serve you well in dealing with other physicians, other team members in a, in a professional setting? Are you developing those skills and communication skills that are necessary to deal with patients and families when delivering news that isn't always pleasant? So I think you have to look at this as a holistic approach. I need to be um, performing well and developing intellectually, uh, socially, professionally, ethically, and every step along the way, I think you should be building that. You should be able to self-reflect and ask yourself those questions. Uh, am I showing up to the skill center on time? Am I dressing appropriately? Am I interacting with my instructors and my course directors appropriately? Am I treating staff, uh, nurses, and other people when I'm out on rotation or I'm shadowing people? Am I treating those people with the respect they deserve? And I think that's all a part of the growth of a medical student beyond just looking at quantitative measures and didactic courses. Mm, that's really good advice. You mentioned if you're struggling, we have learning specialists, but you also mentioned uh, meeting with your course director. Um, I've been in enough meetings with enough course directors to know that I hear a lot of, you know, I tell students to come by, but they don't come by. So um, why do you think students don't approach their course director or what advice do you have? You know, maybe students think they're not gonna be that helpful. Give us a little bit insight on a struggling student, how they should approach their course director, or what they can expect from that. Yeah, let me step back and go just a little broader at first, because when I deal with students that are struggling, particularly those that struggle chronically over more than one course or more than one part of the curriculum, it's typically students that have gotten behind, and when they get behind, they become introverted and separated from their classmates, separated from their structures. They tend to get lost and kind of hide out on their own and dig themselves into a deeper hole. So why do students not go to course directors? Some may not feel they're actually very helpful. Um, but more than likely it's, you know, I'm at a spot where it's not going to help anyway because I'm so far behind or um, I'm a little bit embarrassed or scared to talk to that professor. They're too busy. They won't want to spend the time. Um, I'd like to say now we have a great group of preclinical course directors that are very passionate about not just only what they teach but about helping our medical students reach their goals, reach their full potential. So I would encourage you to always, and that really is the first step in our policy, to go to your course director if you're struggling. Uh, they're the content experts. They're the people that can advise you on uh, not only content related topics but how to approach their particular course and then from there then if that's not ex enough help then that's where we need to reach out to our learning specialists and say okay I need a completely different strategy or I need us help with developing a study schedule but our course directors are wonderful people they're here to benefit our students and so I would have 
no hesitation if I was a student reaching out to any one of them at any time. I've seen people uh, answer students midnight, four in the morning, so they're always available and a great resource for you. Awesome. You talked about changing strategy. Um, it might be obvious you need to change strategy if you, you know, are failing exams, but, you know, as this curriculum builds on itself as your courses maybe get more difficult moving from you know first to second year or like you said second year they're coming into a really difficult course are there clues that you know I'm doing okay but maybe my strategy needs to be adjusted some I think so um, our students are really aware of this now. We have what are called low stakes points and high stakes points. And high stakes points are those summative examinations where stressful with lockdown browser, it's 50 to 60, 70 questions over uh, content from the, from the courses. I think it's easy to get a sense of things are going okay. I don't need to reach out if you know I'm showing up, I'm getting low stakes points, I'm doing well on a weekly quiz, I'm getting points for showing up for a clinical correlation or a patient panel. Um, but this sounds pretty specific, but I really would look at the performance on some exams relative to not only the course average, but the standard deviation of each exam score. So if your exam scores are more than one standard deviation below the average, you're probably not getting the full picture and understanding and able to synthesize the material in such a way to put a clinical scenario together on the board style questions. So that, that's one thing to look at. The other thing, just do you feel rushed? Do you feel out of time? So one of the things I've noticed is, and I'm not big on you gotta be sitting in a classroom, right? If you wanna learn by being on Zoom, if you wanna learn by watching recordings, but the one thing that seems to be a consistent thread is students get behind. And sometimes those are even students that are in class, right? So you need to be saying, am I staying on top of the material? Am I progressing with the material so that by the time I get to the study days, one or two days before the course, I truly am reviewing stuff that I really already know, that I've been practicing uh, that material, um, doing practice questions, interacting with classmates with the material in such a way that I know going into it, yep, yeah, I'm ready for this exam. And if you're behind, uh, that's another good indication that strategies need to change, that something's not working, that I'm feeling rushed, not having enough time. A lot of information in medical school. It's not like I'm saying you could change to a strategy and you're not going to have to work hard. But staying on top of the material is a very important component of doing well in school. Yeah. Love it. Okay. When you think about the preclinical curriculum, you know, one theme that we see is, you know, not just... I'm worried about what's in front of me, but anxiety about what lies ahead. So, you know, for our first years and early second years, what's coming um, and what reassurances can you provide them about the future? Loaded question. <laughs> Could be a long answer. Um, I think, let, let me break it down into the two cohorts. So for the first years, I think one of the things that you want to be cognizant of is you want to build a foundational knowledge, a deep understanding, work on things that provide long-term retention without freaking out about step one coming up. You've got plenty of time for that. Um, the caveat to what I'm saying is you can't memorize and then dump at the end of an exam. You've got to learn for long-term retention and build. 
the other thing I think that will give you some confidence is the courses do build on themselves. So by the time you get through the fall and early spring into and start your systems courses, uh, you start to see material for a second time, a third time, and it starts to come together into a big picture as opposed to a bunch of random facts. Other thing I think that would give the first year some confidence is if you stay on top of your studies and you're progressing well, there's a very good likelihood that you are gonna do well on step one. Um, OU produces some of the most well-prepared residents in the country as determined by residency directors at programs all across the nation. So you're gonna get a good education. Uh, we know that it's stressful and intense, but if you will work diligently with a strategy on a schedule and stay on top of things, you will be both well prepared for boards and well prepared for a medical education. Um, for the second class, the MS2s, I think we are getting closer to boards and I think it's important to not only stay in touch with the curriculum that the faculty provide, you know, whether you're using third party resources or not, I think it's important to stay in touch. What's the faculty here thinks important for you to learn in preparation for step one? I also think at this point in your curriculum, while we are assigning a certain number of you world questions in each of our second year courses now, I think uh, actually spending some time, weekends, downtime, actually doing board style question practice either through the UWorld question bank that's provided to our second third year students or through an AMBOSS subscription would be very beneficial at this point because you should be able to look and see okay I'm doing well in class but maybe I'm not doing as well on these board style questions and these outside Q banks so I need to go back and review some material so that would be the advice that I would give those two cohorts at this point in the semester. Uh, that's awesome yeah I think you know that big picture of this is not individual courses, but they are building on themselves. And I think you're exactly right. Um, you know, board style questions, it's an art to learn. Um, and if you really get that information and it's solid in there, and you practice those questions, then even something outside of my own discipline, I can look at the question and be like, okay, one, two, we got to get down to layer three, and this is what they really want to know. Yeah, I think that's a good point because board style questions are not going to ask you questions as if you're already a specialist in OB-GYN or pediatrics. Uh, you should be able to, if you're building a good foundational base of clinical knowledge, you should be able to work through these questions on any of the topics that are going to be on step one and figure out what at first, what are they asking? and then to get to the right answer just by using logic in your clinical base of knowledge that you've developed over the first two years. Awesome. Okay, we're gonna go to uh, the Dr. Miller Q&A. What is it you do here? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but maybe they don't. Tell us about your role in the College of Medicine, little, what that means to students. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. I think um, the two areas that our medical students see me interact with them and is obviously I'm a course director for several courses in both the first and second year. Um, lecture a lot in all the courses. Um, my lecturing primarily in the College of Medicine centers around the anatomic disciplines of gross anatomy, embryology, histology. Um, 
in the PA program, I do some other things because my background is actually as a, a biochemist molecular biologist, so I teach some other things to the PA program. But students will see me throughout the first and second year. Um, if I'm not the course director, usually I'm poking my head in just to make sure the class got started okay, uh, everything's okay with the lectures. Um, the other thing where I interact with the first and second year medical students is, is I actually am the assistant dean for the preclinical curriculum, which involves a lot of time with the course directors and the clerkship directors and the other uh, administrators on campus. But we also spend quite a bit of time with the curriculum chairs and the student curriculum committee. So part of my role as the assistant dean is to make sure that the student voices are heard, that we're not only hearing your complaints, but hearing the positive things you like about the curriculum. That we're making changes based on not only um, emotions of students, but on actual uh, real life situations that the students find themselves in, making decisions based on uh, what we think will benefit the students. And a lot of that feedback comes from you. So if I could put a pitch in, I know it's a little bit off the topic, but your course evaluations, if you could fill those out, those, we really do read those, we really do look at those, they're very important. And the more information we have, the more solid quantitative statistics we can use to say, yeah, this is really something we should look at and there's a reason to make these changes in the curriculum. I'm real excited about the Student Curriculum Committee. We just started that last year. There are representatives from each module and the curriculum chairs from each class that are a part of that, that that help me look at the overall course evaluations and narrative from those courses and distill that into a summary that I can take to the other administrators and say, this is going well, this is not going well, we need to cha make changes here, we need to have reinforcements in our curriculum in these particular areas. So um, most of my job is student-centered and I love that, that's, that's why I'm here because I enjoy working with our students. You know, uh, long ago and far away when I was a clerkship director, that one of it might have been the first meeting that I was ever in. Uh, you got up with Dr. Halliday and gave this presentation on like why our course works and <laughs> what the data shows. Um, and I remember that I didn't understand it very well because um, it had a lot of statistics in it. But I just walked away and I was like, oh, these people know exactly what they're doing and here's the evidence behind why it's working. And so it's very impressive. So well, that's my first memory of I, you. I, 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 <laughs> I'm glad that the memory was a good one. The truth of the matter is we really don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and so the statistics really help us make sure that we stay on track because we're willing to try things differently. But in, in things are so important at this level and the education of our students is so important because of what they want to do with their careers and dealing with other human beings lives that we really do need to make sure that the changes we make uh, the different pedagogies we adopt are really based in sound evidence and based on solid principles so that's that's why we do it um, I'm not the greatest statistician either so we're, we're in the same boat there but stats help us they do um, what are you said you love working with students uh, favorite courses favorite lectures that you give um, anything that you would uh, like to do that you're not doing or maybe something you'd like to give away that you are doing <laughs> I won't admit to that today um, I don't know that that's hard for me because I, I love science and I love the intersection of science and medicine and I could sit through 
any course and be just enthralled by the lectures, right, and the material. Um, I really enjoy lecturing in the human structure course, but also enjoy, and I don't get to do this as much in the medical school curriculum, I really enjoy teaching the biochemistry, the cell biology, uh, the microimmunology to the PA students. So I, I, I like it all, and I think um, as we move into an integrated curriculum in a couple of years, I think um, what we're seeing is there's really not a lot of differentiation. All of this is really interrelated. So human structure is intimately related to foundations of medicine. It's intimately related to all of your systems courses. Uh, neurology is important not only in neuroscience and psychiatry and neurology, but it's important for all of our physicians to have. So I, I, I love our curriculum. I'm looking forward to an integrated curriculum. Um, and. I think that's another good point for our students. Don't don't look at these as separate standalone courses. Uh, you should be integrating all this into an overall package of you as a as a potential future clinician. Okay. Any other wisdom or advice that you would like to uh, share with our students before we end today? Yes. Enjoy the journey. Don't get so caught up in the stress of medical school and the intensity of medical school that you forget to make friendships with your fellow classmates, interact with your classmates. Be on campus as much as you can to interact with the clinicians, the nurses, the doctors, the pharmacists, the PAs. Um, part of the best experiences about being in grad school or medical school are the people you meet, the interactions you share. Um, you can learn the didactic expository knowledge you need to pass boards and do those things from home in the mod but the professionalism how to talk to patients how to become a physician you really need to be around physicians older medical students that have gone through the hoops that you're trying to jump through at this point so but all of that is can be a lot of fun a lot all that can be very stimulating very much a confidence builder so I would, I would encourage you to enjoy the journey and focus on what lies ahead, not necessarily on the immediacy of what you're doing. Well, that's awesome. Well, Dr. Miller, thank you for being with us tonight. It was delightful. Uh, we will wrap up this uh, podcast, but you guys uh, join us next time for the next episode of Our Story. We're out.